thrilled to be here this evening. I'm so excited to have meet, I've gotten to meet women that I've only known on Facebook. I've gotten to meet people that I've never met before and I'm just thrilled to be here. And I don't, I don't know if you understand all that goes into making something like this happen. It's not just a bunch of planning. It's not just a lot of work, but it takes a lot of women and men who are filled with the Holy Spirit that are on their knees praying for a conference like this to happen. It doesn't just, oh, oh okay, it's here. They have been working and planning and praying. So I just want to thank you. Where'd you go? Oh, there you are. <laughs> you went back to your seat. Thank you. It is a privilege to be here tonight. I am honored to be here and meet your wonderful church family. They've been so welcoming. I mean, if you guys didn't go back, I just want to be an advertisement for um, Alice tonight. Where are you, Alice? There you are. Alice's daughter or niece. Daughter-in-law. Okay, she made these, and I absolutely love them. They're only $3, you guys. So there's your little, and I really, really like them. I don't sell things that I'm not like 100% behind, so these are great. But I am so thrilled to be here tonight, and I know you guys are excited too. Please open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And while you're doing that, I want you to think, have you ever had anybody just be a jerk to you? Like just write out, be mean purposefully to you. Like not, I'm not talking about somebody that just, you know, they miscommunicate. Sometimes people do something and it's a miscommunication. It's on accident. Um, my husband is an excellent communicator. He's an excellent speaker. But years ago, when we were first dating, he wasn't so good at communicating. <laughs> In fact, when we were first dating, we had finally, you know, we said the L word. We were finally in love. We were sitting on the couch in my parents' room, heavily guarded by my parents. <laughs> and he's looking at me, and we're looking deep into each other's eyes. And he looked at me and said, Charity, loving you, loving you, it's like, it's like, and you know, I'm sitting there just with anticipation, like, oh, what is he going to say? Loving me, what is it like? Is it like, you know, a beautiful sunset after a hot day? Is it like a cherry on top of an ice cream sundae? What is it like loving me? Is it like the best thing in the whole world that you've ever experienced? And he said, Charity, loving you is like falling down the stairs <laughs> without the pain. And I said, what does that even mean? What are you talking about? And he was trying to communicate something good. And I thought, we need to watch some Hallmark movies together. <laughs> this is not what you say. And this is a true story. I'm not fabricating anything. Sometimes people are mean on accident or we, we misinterpret something that somebody says. But have you had somebody that just really has been purposefully mean to you? Have you? 
I think in a crowd this size, I think most women have had somebody that you know, somebody purposely put a dig at you. Someone purposefully said something mean. Somebody purposefully did something to you. Um, when I was in college, me and my best girlfriend, we were roommates, and we had grown up together. In our suite, there was three girls. And I walked into, after a long day of classes, and I throw my books on my bed, and I looked over and I see Brianna sitting at the desk, and she just was kind of in shock. And she just looked at me, and she said, you wouldn't believe what happened. I said, what happened? What, what's going on? She said, I just overheard Christy and Shannon say that they took Sarah's toothbrush. Now, mind you, this is at a Christian college, Christian adult women, okay? Took a toothbrush, her toothbrush, took Sarah's toothbrush, washed it around in the toilet, and put it back inside of her drawer and didn't tell Sarah what they did, and they were laughing about it. And Brianna, if you knew Brianna, she's more reserved than I am. She's, we, we were best girlfriends all growing up. You know, I was the one that initiated everything. And she's telling me the story. She looks at me and she says, so what are you going to do about it? <laughs> oh, is it me? I didn't even know about this. You brought me into it. Why is it my problem? And I said, no, no, we'll, we're going to do something. We're going to do something about it. But we also knew what the Bible teaches about jumping into problems that aren't your own. We know the Bible talks about that when you jump into problems that aren't your own, it's as if you're grabbing onto a dog's ears. And what would happen if you grabbed onto a dog's ears? Anybody know? You're going to get bit. It's going to bite you. So that's what the Bible says. The Bible says, hey, be careful about the problems you jump into that aren't your own because what's going to happen is you're going to get bit. And so we knew that, and we thought, what are we going to do? So we took out Sarah's toothbrush. Brianna worked at the bookstore. She said, I'll just go buy a new toothbrush. And we thought, but if we exchange it, she's going to know. She's going to look at her toothbrush and know that it's not hers. So I said, let's just drop it on the ground and throw it away and tell her, we dropped your toothbrush on the ground. And so we threw it away and bought you a new one. Thankfully, she didn't ask why we were touching her toothbrush. <laughs> now, Sarah, what they didn't like about Sarah is Sarah, if you saw Sarah, she was a sweet, beautiful girl. But Sarah, once you start talking to her, you would notice that there was something different. Sarah had some learning disabilities. Sarah, when she was about eight years old, had gotten in a major car accident with her dad. And thank the Lord, she survived. But because of that, she was a little bit different. And that's one of the reasons Brianna and I were like, we need, the Bible says that we are supposed to, even though jumping into a problem that's not your own, you're going to get bit, we know we're also supposed to help those that can't help themselves. And we know that we need to help others that are in their time of need. 
So we did jump in, but you know what we had to do that rest of that semester? Oh man, I hid my toothbrush. I was like, I do not want these people near me. What kind of creeps are we living with? But you know what? The facts of life are people are going to be mean. Christians are going to be mean. You go anywhere. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you go. You go to the library. Someone's going to be mean to you. You go downtown. Somebody's going to be mean to you. You go to church. Someone's going to be mean to you. You go to school. Someone's going to be mean to you. You go to work. People are going to be mean. That's just the facts of life. Now, there might be somebody in here that's like, well, actually, I'm the mean person. Now, I hope that's not the case. But if you are, we have some words for you tonight, too. <laughs> Hannah, in the scriptures that we're going to be studying tonight, Hannah lived in very close proximity with her adversary, with the person that just taunted her constantly. She lived with that person. She was right there with her. But Hannah knew who she belonged to. Hannah knew who to go to in her time of need. And she knew her praise belonged to God. Before we talk more about Hannah, I'd like you to pray with me. And when you pray, I want you to pray. Don't just let it be my words praying to God. You pray and say, God, Please share with me from your word what you want me to get out of this tonight. Ask the Lord. Ask him to help me not to be boring. Ask him to give you strength to pay attention if you've been driving all day. Ask the Lord to speak to you tonight. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Thank you that, it, that we get to come and worship you freely. Thank you for the opportunities that you have allowed. Thank you for the growth of this conference. Thank you for Melanie. Thank you for Ashley. Thank you for Charity, for all the ladies that invested their time into this conference. Lord, for the ladies that have driven out here, the women that have gotten their um, churches together to come out here. Thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you'll speak through me. I pray that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that I'll only speak the words that you want me to speak. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to recognize and rest in knowing who we are in you. Help us to learn to know that we are yours and that be our true joy. Thank you again, Lord, for letting us serve you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Now, Hannah, from everything we know about Hannah, she was a good person who loved Jehovah God. Hannah followed all the things that you were supposed to follow. She went and sacrificed to the temple regularly. She did as, she want, as, as God wanted her to do. But Hannah had a bully. She had somebody that was constantly at her. And her name was Penina. Now, I don't know, I hope there's no Peninas in here. <laughs> but when I hear the name Penina, I just think it sounds like someone that's going to be a jerk. <laughs> Hi, I'm Penina. 
When I think of Panina in scripture, I think there's like levels of villains in scripture. You know, there's like Satan, Judas, Panina. <laughs> That's what I think of Panina when I read the scriptures of Panina, when you learn about who she was. Now, imagine with me what's going on here. There is a man named Elkanah. Okay, these are people who claim to be followers of Jehovah God. They go to the temple regularly to sacrifice to God. They believe in the one true God, our God. That's who these people are, okay? So in our vernacular today, they are Christians, okay? That's who these people are. So Elkanah is married to Hannah. But Elkanah is also married to Penina. And obviously we know that that triangle loves, love is not going to work. I mean, God designed us to have one man for one woman for one lifetime. And anything outside of that really messes things up. I mean, that alone we mess up. Right? When, when we follow the one man for one woman for one lifetime, we still mess it up. We fight. We argue. We don't follow what God wants us to do. But when they did that, they truly mess it up. Now, all Hannah wanted to do, according to scripture that we can see, is to have children and raise her children to love Jehovah God. Year after year after year, they would travel up to the temple. Year after year after year, they would go together. The Bible says they are, they are traveling together up to the temple, and they would sacrifice. And year after year after year, Penina would get pregnant and have another baby and get pregnant again and have another baby, and get pregnant again, and have another baby. And yet, Hannah, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 1.6, and her adversary also provoked her sore. Who's, it's talking about Hannah, Hannah's adversary, who's Anna, Hannah's adversary? Penina provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Look, this was a terrible time in Hannah's life. It was a horrific time in her life. I couldn't imagine going through this pain and agony. Hannah was constantly, constantly taunted for something that God himself did to her. That's not my words. That's the scriptures that God allowed to have been written about himself. It says, the Lord had shut up her womb. The Lord allowed this to happen. The Lord uh, was allowing this pain in Hannah's life. Now, I want to ask you tonight, what's the pain that God is allowing in your life? Think about it. I know we're all going through trials. What is it that you're struggling with? Has he allowed health issues in your life? Has he allowed a wayward child 
in your life? Has he allowed infidelity within your marriage? What has he allowed in your life? And now let's think about it. Why? Why would God allow this pain? Why? If you're such a good God, why would you allow these bad things to happen? I'm sure if we were all very vulnerable in here, I could hear story after story after story about heartache, about betrayal, about things that have happened and hurt that you personally have experienced. I have no doubt. Stories of abuse, stories of neglect. And do you know it's actually a legitimate question to ask? Why, God? Why would a good God allow or even cause this heartache in a person's life? When we read the story of Hannah, we see why God allowed this in her life. And it wasn't just to show, oh, I can do a miracle and give you a child. It wasn't to say, oh, hey, now you can rub it in the face of Penina that you have a baby. But it was to show Hannah, look, I want you to find your only joy and contentment in knowing whose you are. I don't want your joy and contentment to be in having a kid. I don't want your joy and contentment to be in what you think will bring you happiness. I want you to know that your joy and true contentment only comes by knowing that I am his. I am his. Let's take a peek into Hannah's life to see the journey that she traveled through to find her joy and contentment in knowing that she is his. Number one, what did Hannah do? Well, Hannah did the next right thing. The Bible says, we already read verse 6, we'll move on to verse 7. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, So she provoked her. Now picture this. Picture this. They're going like us going to church. Okay? They're going to worship God. A a very act of, look, I am giving my time to go to church. Look, they're going to the temple. And here she is. As they're going to the temple to do a righteous thing, her enemy says, Oh, don't you wish you had a baby? I wonder why God hasn't blessed you with the child. Oh, what have you done, Hannah? Don't you wish that you had a, a baby with Elkanah? I'm so glad I could have the baby for Elkanah. I'm so glad that I that God continues to bless me. I wonder what it is that you've done. From somebody who claims to be a follower of Jehovah God. But do you know what? That did not stop her from doing the next right thing. It doesn't stop her from going to the temple. 
It doesn't stop her. If you have somebody that you have ought against at the church, do not let somebody that is your penina in your life, do not let that person's sin stop you from doing the next right thing. Do not let that person's sin hinder you from doing what God has called you to do in your life. You continue to do the next right thing because it is you that is going to stand before God for what you're going, what you have done. Often, if you are not in church, that is the next right thing for you to do. If you are not in a time of prayer and Bible study on a regular basis in your life, that is always the next right thing. When you are in depression and you're hurting and you don't even want to get out of bed, that next right thing might just be to take off the things on your cell phone and put on your Bible app and let Bible be said into your ear and listening to scripture. It might be that you feel like I can't even get out of bed and you can roll out of bed and get on your knees and beg God to help you in your hurt. I can imagine living with my husband who has another wife and going to church. I can't even imagine that. And yet she did. Being taunted constantly, she did the next right thing. And that's what we need to do. We need to constantly be in church. When the doors are open, get there. Get there. Make that your place. Go there. Make that center of your home. Spend time in prayer and Bible study. That's why we have encouragement from women who've been there. I had ladies telling me, I spend so much time on the internet. I'll be on Facebook all day, and then I pillow my head at night, and I realize I didn't even open my Bible. New Christians that get saved at our church, and I thought, okay, well, what can we make it do to help it be easier to help them remember, hey, I should start spending time with God every day. So I thought, we'll just put a daily reminder of Jesus. Here's some Bible verses, and here's some good encouragement and counsel from women who have gone through the same thing you have with Jesus by their side. And they're walking through that. That's why we have it. Number two, what did she do? She shared her struggle now, I love this. 1 Samuel 1, 7 through 12. The Bible says, Therefore she wept and did not eat. She is so sickened by how she is feeling. God's not get, God has shut up her womb. Her adversary is constantly nagging at her. She couldn't eat. I'm sure she's not sleeping well. Then said Elkanah, so her husband tries to comfort her, only like a man can. <laughs> and he says, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Oh, he's starting out really good. He's asking questions. He's saying really nice things. Honey, I don't want you to feel this way. Then he says, am not I better to thee than ten sons? Okay, let's chalk this up as one of the most foolish quotes from any man in scripture, okay? <laughs> hey, honey, why are you so sad? You got me, baby. 
I mean, come on. She is not getting comfort from her spouse who's trying to love her. Obviously, he's trying to love her. But that's not comforting. The Bible then goes on to say, so Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh. Again, she just did the next right thing. Okay, we're going to get up and go. And after they had drunk, now Eli, the priest, I love this. This is so hilarious to me. Now Eli, the priest, sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul. So imagine Eli, kind of like imagine how Miss Melanie right now, all of the stuff where the, everything's going on and now we have worked and worked and worked for this day and now miss melanie can sit and listen she's still got a lot more to do but okay people are bringing in the sacrifices <sighs> okay just gonna watch as everybody's doing okay we're good i can kind of relax a little until the next thing i gotta do now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she, who, Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord. You see, one of the next right things, she was talking to God about her problem. And she wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction, and listen to this, of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid. She knows I am yours, and you can do whatever you want with me, God. And I'm asking you to help me in the hurt that I'm going through. She recognized who she was. A man-child, then I will give unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now, here she is, pouring out her soul to God. She doesn't care that anybody's doing whatever they're doing. She is in so much pain and agony. She is one-on-one -on -one with God himself. And she is, her, the Bible says, her lips are moving but nothing's coming out. She's not being loud. She's not moaning and groaning, oh, Lord, help me. No, but she is saying, God. And it says she wept sore, tears falling. Now, Eli, Eli's sitting there. And have you ever been in a church service or in a public place when somebody does something that they're not supposed to do? <laughs> it's so weird, right? Like you're like, um, can someone please stop that person talking? And when you work at a church, you're like, oh man, that's me. I have to go take care of this. And that was Eli. Eli looks and he's like, oh no, uh, okay. So he goes over, he's like, there's a drunk lady here. I have to deal with the drunk lady. So he goes, and the Bible says, now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, how long wilt that be, thou been drunken? How long have you been drinking, lady? Come on. 
like help the fella out here. I don't want to deal with this right now. Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, no, 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 my Lord, no, no. I am, I, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I've drunken neither wine nor strong drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. You see, she went to the Lord and now she's sharing her struggle with the godly counselor. Your struggles are not meant to go share with your best girlfriend. You know, maybe you're having problems with your marriage. It's not meant to go and share with your best girlfriend that's going to bash your husband. Maybe you're having problems with your children. Your problems aren't meant to be shared to blast it all over social media. But your problems are meant to be shared with the godly counselor. And we need godly counselors in our lives. The Bible says in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Going to godly counselors, maybe it's your pastor's wife, maybe it's a deacon's wife, maybe there's a good godly woman in your church that you can go to for counsel. Again, not the person that's going to bash your church with you, not the person that's going to speak evil of your neighbor, not the girlfriends that, or your coworkers, but a godly counselor. She goes on, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and he said, he's like in shock, he's never seen anybody share with Jesus the way she just shared with Jehovah God. He's never seen this before. And he says, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. He says, I want God to grant this child to you too. And she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. Now this is what I want you to see. This was not a promise. Okay, you're going to get pregnant. This was a one-on-one -on -one counseling saying, look, I want you to get have a baby too. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to, I want you, I'm, I'm asking God to grant you this request too. The Bible says, and she said, oh, I'm sorry, next verse. So the woman went her way, and this is what I want you to see. This is what's so beautiful. And did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Was she pregnant at this time? No. We find out later that she went home and she was intimate with her husband and got pregnant. At this time, all she had done was do the next right thing. She went to her Savior with her issues. She went then to a godly counselor. And the Bible teaches that after that, it was only then that her countenance was no longer sad. You know, we are not going to be happy and joyful if we get what we want. If God just said, here you go, Hannah, here's the child that you've been, this is the child that you want. Do you know you don't always, those of us who are mothers know, always find joy in your children. 
Those of us that want to get married, you don't always find joy and happiness in your husband. Because the only thing that truly brings lasting joy is knowing whose we are. And that's what happened with Hannah. You know, we can think, oh, if God would just bring back my wayward child, then, then I could find joy. Then I could be happy. If God would just heal my health issues, then I could have true joy. If God would heal my marriage, then yes, I can finally be joyful. No, my friend, Hannah's joy came when she was living as the daughter of the one true king. When she realized, yes, I am his. And guess what? He's yours too. And if he isn't yours, he can be yours tonight. Hannah shared her struggle with God. Look, have you taken your problems to the Savior, our Savior, the only one who can truly change anything? Have you taken those? Some of you may say, yeah, I I have. Are you doing the next right thing? Look, he is the only one that knows the reason behind your struggle. Remember Job? The only one who knew the reason behind Job's struggle was God himself and the enemy that was causing it. He knows you're his and he cares for you. He loves you and he has a purpose for your pain. Hannah, secondly, she, he sh- shared her struggle with godly counselors. Again, make sure you find a godly counselor, not just somebody that you can bash everything about, oh, and that's going to agree. Oh, yeah, he is a big jerk. You should leave him. No, find somebody who's a godly counselor that's going to instruct you biblically. Knows who you belong to. Look, we all find, we all want four things in life. You know that? All of us, whether we're saved or unsaved, every person wants four things. They want salvation. They want security. Don't you want to feel secure knowing your family is secure? They want safety. We all want to be safe. We learned that in 2020. And we all want significance. Significance says who I am and what I've done. But listen, you can't get significance apart from your Savior. You can't. You cannot get significance apart from your Savior. It doesn't matter who you are until you know whose you are. Hannah's situation, like when we hear about it as children in Sunday school, it's like, oh, Hannah prayed and Hannah got a baby. But quite honestly, her situation really didn't get much better. Hannah, God gave her a baby. In fact, he gave her multiple babies. But Hannah had to, she stood by her vow and she gave her baby back to God have somebody else raise him. And not just that, 
she still lived with her adversary. She, Panina didn't kill over, you know? That would be like another part of the story that we'd be like, yeah, oh, I'm not supposed to clap at that. You know, like, <laughs> there goes Panina. No. She didn't return evil for evil either. She didn't become like Panina. Well, look, now I have a baby, and I only have one. You've had so many go through your body. Look, mine looks better. You know, she didn't do that. She did not become like Panina. She, as a child of God, finally recognized who she was in him. And her contentment came from knowing God more. The third thing she did is she praised God. 1 Samuel 1 through 24 through 28. I'll let you all read that on your own. But she followed through and did what she told God she would do. The first portion of the second chapter of 1 Samuel. Okay, so 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 4. All that is, is Hannah praising God in her prayer. The whole 11 verses, and when you read her prayer, it shares so many things about who God is. And that's amazing to me because it shows you what her joy was coming from. Do you know that if we are moms in here, do you know tonight, tomorrow, all of that can change overnight? If you're a wife and you have a great husband, all of that could change overnight. But the relationship you have with Jesus Christ will be eternal. You are always his. And when we rest in that fact, we can find salvation, security, significance, and safety. In that fact, knowing who I am in Christ. And then when the children leave the home, we can be sad because we are part of our heart has left. But you're not resting in, that's what I was. Now I don't know who I am. I was a mom. Or if your spouse leaves, or if your spouse unexpectedly dies, you're not saying, all I was was a wife. Now I don't know who I am. But if you find your identity in Jesus Christ, you'll realize those are things that God allows me to do. But who I truly am is a child, the one true king. And that is eternal. So my question for you tonight is this. Are you a Hannah? Hannah's name means grace. Are you a Hannah? Are you resting and knowing that you are his? Or are you a Penina? If you're a Penina, I have just a couple things to share with you. Okay? Number one, stop it. 
Pretty simple, right? Stop being a jerk. <laughs> Don't purposefully be mean to people. And maybe you think, well, I've kind of been like this all my life. I don't know what to do. Well, how do you stop? Just like Hannah, you start doing the next right thing. You start spending that time with Jesus on a daily, regular basis, and you get on your knees and say, God, I was wrong. God, I need you to fill me with your Holy Spirit because you know what I think of that person, and I think you agree, but you got to help me to not say it to her. <laughs> it may be that that's what you need to do. Spend time with God. Getting that time alone with Him. Maybe you need to start becoming a regular church attender. You're like, oh, I'm a member already. No, getting involved and helping serve. Third thing that a Penina can do is to apologize. Now, my husband, he is the care pastor of our church. He has his master's in pastoral counseling, so he does a lot of counseling. And I sit in on a lot of the counseling. And I have seen the most lame apologies <laughs> in the world. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm sorry you took what I said the wrong way. Are you kidding me? Like, do you think she wants to go back home with you? <gasps> An apology. And these are from adults, not from children. An apology consists of three things. Are you ready? Write these down. Practice them. They're helpful. Okay? Three simple things. My mother raised five of us, homeschooled us, and she ingrained this into our brains. A, an apology is not just, oh, I'm sorry. But an apology includes three things. It does say, I'm sorry. It means I feel bad about what I did. Man. Yeah, I was kind of a jerk, wasn't I? Number two, it says I was wrong. It acknowledges your wrongdoing. And number three, it says, will you forgive me? I am coming to you humbly asking for forgiveness. I was wrong. I'm really sorry about that. Will you be willing to forgive me? And you know what? There will be some Peninas that won't forgive you. But you know what? They're the ones that's going to have the bitterness of soul, not you. You're going to stand before God right. We can all be Hannahs. We don't have to be Peninas. Now, maybe you're a Penina because you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've got a life that's filled with sin. You've allowed sin to come into your life and you've allowed sin to darken your life over and over and over. But the amazing thing is that Jesus Christ, you can't get that sin. Once your sin is in you, you can't get it out. And sin, the Bible says, in sin did my mother conceive me. We have sin in our life. Not you or I are perfect. None of us. We are far from it. The Bible teaches because of our sin, we are depraved. We do not deserve. We can't do anything to get ourselves to heaven. 
nothing. We can do nothing in and of ourselves to get ourselves to heaven. The sin is there and we can't get it out. But the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ loves each one of us. He loves us when we are penina. He loves us when we're trying and trying to do right, but we're still living in our sin and we haven't been forgiven of our sin. But the Bible says that Jesus looks at us in our sin and he says, I love you so much. I don't want you to be separated from me forever because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of our sin, the payment for our sin is separation from Jesus Christ forever, for eternity in a terrible place, a real place called hell. And God says, I don't want you to go there. And I know you can't get the sin out on your own. You can't do it. So he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take your sin and I'm going to make you clean. And I'm going to take that sin and I'm going to die on the cross to pay for your sin. And I am going to take all your sin away only if you believe on me and that I died and was buried and that I rose again, proving that I'm God. The Bible says, whosoever believeth in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, trusts on him and him alone, nothing good that we can do to get us to heaven. The Bible says, he will take away all our sin. And what's the neat thing about God is that sin can't touch him. Sin doesn't, he can't sin. And in fact, if we trust him as our Savior, he will forgive us of all of our sin and allow us to live for him and eventually be in heaven with him for eternity. Look, I am his, and you can be too. If you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, please, tonight, talk to me. Talk to Miss Melanie. Talk to Ashley. Talk to any of the ladies that were standing early. Talk to your pastor's wife. Trust him as your Savior. And then walk with him, knowing who you are in Christ. Find that godly counselor so you can have true, lasting joy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your truth. Lord, I pray for the women in here that are hurting. They are going through pain. Lord, I pray right now that they will find their true contentment and joy in you. Lord, not in the blessing of a child, not in the gift of a spouse, not in the gift of getting whatever it is they think will make them happy. Let them understand and learn that the only thing that truly brings real joy is knowing that you love us and we're your kids and that can never be taken away. Lord, I pray that we will live like that and show the world who you are. Lord, I pray for those that are in here that say, hey, I'm unsure if I'm going to heaven. I pray right now for them. I pray that you'll give them strength and courage to talk to somebody about that. and They'll get that settled tonight. They'll trust you as their Savior. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.